Welcome to the GoTo Podcast. In this episode, Eamon Boyle and Garth Gilmore explore why they've chosen Kotlin as their default language in the ever-changing landscape of programming and how this language could make your life easier. Created for developers by developers, GoTo gathers the best minds in the software community. Stay up to date with the latest in tech through GoTo's top-rated events held online and in person in Chicago, Amsterdam, and Copenhagen, and by subscribing to the GoTo Conference's YouTube channel, where you can find thousands more high-quality dev talks. Learn more at gotopia.tech. I haven't prepared anything. I would normally I would do so. The thing is, uh, I was back in the days. I was a Java developer, like mm-hmm. really, really, really back in the days. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, uh, I became an Objective C developer. Go when when yes, I know this is. Uh, I'm <laughs> trying to set up the scene for some interesting conversation here. At some point, I went to the dark side and started mm-hmm. doing iOS development. Yes. And I've, been doing that uh, recently, most uh, most recently Python actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what you're really working with is absolutely new to me. So I decided instead of preparing anything, uh-huh. why not just go along and ask stupid questions and uh, excellent. We shall try not to give stupid answers and see where it ends. Yeah, yeah. it might be that I leave the room. Uh, A convert. <laughs> <laughs> we will bring you into the light. Yes, yes, oh, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. I mean, my Could laptop's you? over there. We can just start coding, you know. Yeah. Maybe we should do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 So all this talking, you know, talking is not yes. for seconds. No, you no, know, so, yeah. no talk, just code. Yeah. We tried that as a theme at the conference uh, a couple of years ago. Uh-huh. We had a room which we called No Slides, Just Code. Yeah, yeah. No, well, a, I, I have this rule I call yeah. it uh, live coding summons the migraine yeah. fairy yeah. because everybody says, why do, when you teach, why don't you just go and just, you know, just go in and live code everything? Yeah. And I said, because I've been traveling for 16 hours and yeah. I've eaten something that disagrees with me and I've got a migraine, you know, and yeah. I do, I've been doing this for 20 years, four days a week, you know, so you, you can't always live code. You live code as much as you can, you know, whenever you're teaching, yeah. but at the end of the day if you value your sanity there has to be some kind of a limit to it you know so uh, so we like to say uh, write copious copious slides and then try never to use them you know but if mm. you're having a really bad day you know then the, the slides are there as the, the fallback I think it's like the third rule of Hollywood Hollywood you know don't work with kids animals and live code yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> yes yeah. yes yeah. There, there, there are probably a few people on the planet who are smart enough to just walk into the room and make it up as they go but you know sadly I'm not one of them yeah are you yeah, 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 he is. Yeah, yeah, so we have one of yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm honored. Yeah. What is your background, actually? I'm just trying to find a clue where I can sit in here. Oh, so no, now you're asking. Start, Evan, do you want to start? The story yeah. of your life. Yeah. So, well, I, I've been coding since I was, like, very little. We had uh, an Amstrad 464 with 64K. Of, I need to interrupt you already yeah. now. So the party last night. Yeah. No, I I was snapping photos of yeah. all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We we did. We. I mean, I think I went from an Amstrad four six four, and then the next <laughs> machine we owned was uh, like a PC with yeah. with uh, two megabytes of RAM. So I never had like any consoles or anything growing up. My friends had them, and I would like make excuses to go to their houses and stuff. But I love all that retro stuff. But no, we had a Amstrad 464 with a with a tape deck. And, you know, um, it was like what uh, Waz was talking about, you know, waiting yeah. for your program to, to load and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, I know, but because 
back then Amstrad was kind of the other world. There was the Commodore world and the Amstrad. Yeah, M maybe uh, Spectrum. May maybe the Sinclair. Yeah, too, we we, but, we have a Spectrum yeah. framed in the office. Yeah. it's like there's there's a lot of art and and uh, our our CEO he loves art and there's quite a. There's some nice art scattered around the office, but my favorite is the Spectrum, even though yeah. it was yeah. the arch nemesis of, of the Amstrad. Yes. Yeah. 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 But so, uh, yeah, we, we had the tape deck and you could load a program and it would run for like 10 minutes making this high-pitched squealing noise. And then your program would run and you would yeah. see it and it was amazing. Yes. And it was all started by just like typing in from the manual. Yep. So just like blindly typing and there was like magazines and they had programs which would run games you could write your own games yeah. and at the start it was just like by rote just copying 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 yeah. and we, we both had the same experience because you're downstairs eating your tea and you're listening to the game loading upstairs and it's damn it you know yeah. back in the minute mom you're upstairs yeah, i know <laughs> uh, uh, in the commodore world it was not just the sound but a yeah. pattern on the screen too oh yes, yeah, 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 yeah. some yeah. lines and you could just see if they got out of sync you know yeah that's yeah, a yeah. syntax yeah. error now yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. there was like reams in these magazines with reams and reams of data yes. sections, which were just hex hexadecimal. Sometimes, and, yeah. And yeah. just typing those in was horrendous and you'd make like one mistake and the program would crash. Yeah. But yeah, I always just loved tech. And, and from that then to understanding what the programs did and then through school competitions. And then my professional career has uh, been started off mainly around like C++ and like close to the metal and telecoms and that sort of thing. And then migrating more into uh, like desktop applications and moving into things like C Sharp. And now we do everything, you know, we are, um, I, you know, Angular apps and React apps and mobile apps and everything, you know, all cool. the platforms. And I'm the complete opposite. So uh, I, I started out in the same space. So uh, whenever I was about 12, I got a Spectrum 48K and uh, mm -hmm. I plugged it in and it made multicolored blocks flash on the screen on Christmas mm -hmm. Day and wouldn't do anything else. And I always remember my father saying, is this what it's supposed to do, son? Yeah. And going, I don't <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah. Yeah. So it was broken and we got a new one. Uh -huh. And then uh, I started programming. And uh, the first program I typed in was Space Invaders, you know, yep. from a book in yep. the library. Yep. And uh, I finished typing it in at 4 a.m. very, very quietly so my parents wouldn't know I was up. And well, then, it was quietly on the spectrum because of the... Oh, yeah, the, the rubber the, keys. The rubber yeah, keyboard. real yeah. developers use yeah. rubber keys. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah, was solid. There was, like, you knew you were pressing keys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then uh, I, I got space invaders typed in and i went to play space invaders you know and then it said syntax error at line four and i went yep. what's a syntax error you know and yep. that's a, that's where it all started so um i taught myself to program games and so on in the spectrum 48k uh but then i got obsessed by the social sciences and uh, i wanted to be uh, a criminal profiler you know forensic psychology so mm -hmm. my first degree was in philosophy and psychology and i specialized in social psychology and how people make decisions in groups and uh, at the time what was called human computer interaction and computer mediated communication which was all new at the time which was uh, how when people went to online bulletin boards how that changed their patterns mm -hmm. of discussion and how they became quicker to anger and it was easier to misunderstand things and so on so I did that did a master's degree in uh, criminology yeah and then went out to become a forensic profiler yeah mm -hmm. only to discover that there were only three open jobs in the UK and all of them well were you taken. only needed one yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I, uh, I starved, you know, and then uh, I came back. I was uh, studying in um, England at the time, so I came back to Ireland and uh, I looked around for jobs and I said, people are getting paid to program. People are getting paid 
to program, you know, and uh, I, uh, I did a master's in IT, um, mainly to give myself a year to teach myself things. And then uh, I got a job as a junior developer and uh, everything just went on from there. So mm -hmm. uh, I worked as a developer for five or six years and uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah. But I was um, kind of casting around and trying to find some way to use my background in psychology, you know, a mm -hmm. little bit more play to your strengths. So the, the opportunity came up to become a professional trainer, you know, work for an IT training company so uh, I thought what the hell I'll give it a go you know I'll mm -hmm. probably only last three weeks and uh, that was about 15 years ago so, uh, so I started out teaching C++ to C people, then Java to C++ people, then C Sharp to Java people, and then everything to everybody. Because as you know, uh, our industry can't make up its mind. And uh, for, for the last three or four years, we've been specializing in Kotlin. If you had the chance to go back in time and freeze time at any point, yes, what would you do? Where would you stop? Uh, what, what about my life would I change? Or? No, not really. Just uh, that's... Uh, that's what I was doing around mm. that time, the back in the, yeah. the Amstrad days, mm. yeah. or would I yeah. just freeze around uh, the C plus plus days? Or no, I I mean, yeah. I had a I had a lot of nostalgia for my C plus plus days when I started moving into yeah. like the higher level languages and all the managed languages like yeah. like C sharp and the like. And I was like, oh, I remember the C plus plus days mm. when you had to know all the bits and the bytes yeah. and you had to know where the addresses were. And then I was teaching a, a clean code course and it was using mm. C++ 99 with mm. like TR1. And I was like converting some examples and saying, okay, this is how you would write clean code. Yeah. And I was just finding it so difficult. And, and C++, you know, 17 and 19 have improved things. But I had this nostalgia that yeah. then when I went back, I was like, oh no, that's horrible. I understand why I moved away from it. Yeah, I think um, you, you always remember the, the good parts more than the bad parts. And the C++, yeah. I always remember like the, the intellect actual struggle, you know, and I, yeah. I enjoyed the way it took real effort to understand the language, you know, and yeah. uh, reading Scott Meyer's book about a dozen times and mm -hmm. then, you know, finally uh, understanding something and really enjoying that. But at the end of the day, I wasn't writing a lot of production code. You mm. know? So uh, th there are certain things about every period that you enjoy. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I don't think there's ever like a golden age of coding that we really want to go back to. I think, um, you know, de development has never been as good as it is right now. So, so I, I wouldn't want to freeze time. I'd want to keep going because new things are coming out all the time. Mm. And when I look back at that, uh, that older code, I can, I can be more expressive now. I can, you know, I can describe the problems more effectively with modern languages. Things like Kotlin, you know, they, they allow me to express myself in code in, in a much more elegant way, in a much simpler way. So then I can concentrate more on uh, the customer's issues rather than, okay, I understand what I need to do. How do I do the translation? The translation is is simpler. So I'm just waiting for okay, what else is coming tomorrow? So yeah. I, I want to see tomorrow. I don't want to freeze yes. any any earlier time. And so, I think uh, one of the best things that ha that's happened in terms of agile is the yeah. fact that you know we now let junior developers talk to customers. You know, I remember yeah. back in the yeah. day when there was like three layers between you and the customer, mm. and all you had was a use case report, which might have been very good, it might have been very bad, but that was you know your only source of truth. So yeah. you're like, oh, well, you're a medieval monk just looking at these two sentences, trying to work out the different permutations of what they might mean, and so on. So uh, yes. don't want to go back to that. Yeah. So Kotlin is your favorite programming language right now? 
I would say so. Okay, you probably <laughs> yeah. say yes. As it's that favorite language. If somebody gave me a team of developers tomorrow, you know, yeah. and said you have to write an enterprise app, you know, it would instantly be Kotlin. You know, yeah. uh, if you mean, I mean, uh, my favorite programming language is XSLT. You know, so I, I, I love just <laughs> hacking around in XSLT. Oh, you're you're rare species. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, so um, in fact, my friends will tell you any programming language I say I like. You know. It's kind of like the death touch. They immediately say that yeah. language is dead, you know. Yeah. But uh, for Kotlin is absolutely the best language if you have a team of developers of varying skill sets and uh, you, you want to get uh, something quality out the door as soon as possible, you know. So it's a uh, it's in that sweet spot for modern development, and that should you know that that shouldn't be surprising because that's what it was designed for, you know. So. But but why? So other languages develop too. So yeah, so I mean, we, we see a lot of similarities between like modern languages. So you know, if you look at snippets of of something like say like Swift or snippets of Kotlin or any or, or even C sharp, you know, there's a lot of similarities in the features. And and you know, John Skeet's doing a talk at the moment about nullable oh, types in yep. C sharp. So C sharp eight is getting uh, this ability to define types as nullable and and non nullable. And this is something that Kotlin has already. Mm -hmm. um, so we do see, you know, the languages leapfrogging each mm -hmm. other and, and uh, you know, they're, they're, they, they have their place. So, And that's the thing. A lot of people who are new to the industry, they kind of freak out a little bit and they say, look, I'm scared by the polyglot programming, by the number of languages. I just barely feel that I've learned Java or C Sharp, you know, but should I be learning Swift? Should I be learning Kotlin or Scala or Erlang or whatever it happens to be? And uh, the thing that we teach is that all of these languages are kind of converging, you know, on the same mm. space. So if you were to draw a graph of all the different language features and so on, there's kind of a hot spot that everybody converging mm -hmm. on, you know, and uh, Kotlin, because it's a more modern, more recently designed language, you know, it pretty much started off uh, in that sweet spot, yeah, and uh, other languages are moving into it, you know, so C Sharp is adding features, Scala is taking off features and so on, you know, every everybody's heading towards the same area, you know, so uh, mm. you could have the same experience that you have in Kotlin by saying, you know, do Scala, but don't use all of that stuff, okay, or do C Sharp, but use this newer stuff and so on, you know, but uh, Kotlin is just there already but so, so i i always look for the features that allow me to be expressive so there's like there's like a series of things that i've now spoiled with i've 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 used in other languages and then when i go to a language that doesn't have them i i get frustrated i'm like okay well this is i can't express myself as, as clearly so things like extension methods and, mm -hmm. and null safety uh, smart casting by the compiler i obviously want a statically typed system i prefer that because it gives me autocomplete and refactoring and i i'm now in a world where i need good tooling so i can keep my code clean continuously instead of going okay It could be better, but I don't have time. Now I'm, I do a shortcut and the code is cleaned up and, and I can say, yeah, that expresses, that's going to be more maintainable. That's, that's more expressive bit of code. So for me, there's a certain set of features that, that, that I really like. And um, on the JVM, the most prevalent language is obviously Java. It's the Java virtual mm -hmm. machine. I always found Java more frustrating and, you know, there's historical reasons for this. And some of this is, you know, it's like designed by committee and things move a little bit slower. And sometimes when you have someone who is a little bit more controlled and can just say, you know, like a benevolent dictator can say, this is the way it's going to be. Things can move a little bit quicker. And for me in the JVM, you know, I, I love C Sharp and I like developing in .NET. And if there's certain organizations or Microsoft houses, you know, that, that's the stack they will use. Um, but 
the JVM, there's more stuff written on it. Um, the ecosystem is really good. The community is really good. The libraries and solutions that are out there that you can leverage are really, really good. Um, the big problem was, was Java. So for me, I don't like reinventing the wheel. I don't like the fact that there's a lot of churn in our industry, especially we see that in front-end development. But for me, there was a problem on the JVM and Kotlin is the solution. Kotlin allows me to be as expressive as I am, say, on the .NET stack uh, in the JVM. And the, 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 they've done really good engineering decisions, like the interop is, is like a primary goal. Yeah. So all of that legacy Java code that I have, all of that knowledge and the APIs that I know, I can just consume readily. So for me, you know, we found like in the space of a week, you yes. are you are super productive in Colin. It's not like okay, I have to change my mental models, and it's a real paradigm shift. You just it's seamless. But now it's like okay, well that's neater. Oh, yeah, well, that's, that's neater. I mean that, that's why as a company we made a bet in Kotlin about four years ago. I mean we don't get royalties or anything out of mm. it. We were just doing a lot of work in the JVM in particular. We just won tenders to do several major large Android applications, and uh, the the guys in the development team they'd been on Xamarin for a long time. They'd been doing Objective C. They'd been doing Swift and so on. And uh, they, they basically came to management and went, "We don't want to go back to Java," <laughs> you know. And uh, so some of the guys in the training team had been playing around with Kotlin and we were saying look this this seems really nice you know we should give it a go so uh, they went off and wrote some prototype you know Android applications in uh, Kotlin and then they came back and said look you know on Android anyway Brilliant. <laughs> you know, we, we want this, okay? We, we don't want Java. We want Kotlin for the next project. And uh, it worked out incredibly well on the development side of the business, you know? And that's why, you know, I then turned around to JetBrains and said, hey, would you like a classroom-based training course? You know, when they said, yeah, if you're mad enough to write it, write it, you know? So uh, I went out and write, wrote it and they came over and accredited it and so on, you know? So uh, the, the reason why we spend so much time doing Kotlin these days is simply because as a company, we've placed a bet on it because we think it's the future, yeah. you know, and we we evaluated the others. I am a huge Scala fan, uh, as he'll tell you, you know. But uh, you know, the, the guys in the office they just found Scala overkill, you know. So they did the the online training courses. They got a pile of the certifications and so on. They did a, a really deep dive into the language and said, look, there's there's a lot to like in here, you know. But it's just it's too complicated for what we're doing at the mm. minute. You know, we can we can you know make more progress with something that's simpler. I have one last thing that. Mm -hmm. You mentioned something about the uh, upcast and downcast and mm -hmm. null pointers or references mm -hmm. or whatever mm -hmm. we call it. Mm -hmm. I have, I have a feel, well, I have an illusion that I understand this because I am the same generation mm -hmm. in this field as you are. Mm -hmm. So back in the days, we need to know about memory, mm -hmm. yes. registers and everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I ha also have a feeling that we don't educate young people mm -hmm. from that level and up. Well, is that could something you, we should? Uh, yeah, yes and no. I mean, th this is something that gets hotly debated. And uh, uh, as an educator, this worries me. You know, so the, yeah. the standard question that people ask is, should all developers learn C? You know, and... Uh, oh, at least text code. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah and <laughs> yeah. for a while, I believed in this. And I said, yes, all developers should learn C because this will give you like a real understanding of memory management. But then uh, I read a tweet that turned me around completely. And I, I forget the author of the tweet. I apologize. But... Uh, They said, yes, C programming gives you an understanding of hardware as it was in the mid-1970s. <laughs> okay? so, but, yeah. but it still gives me a feeling about why, it's, why I should avoid doing this or that yeah. rather yeah. than just that I should. I think, there's, why? I think there's like an awareness that you have to have, but there's so, there's so much abstraction 
between you know what you're writing in your source code mm. and what actually runs on the metal now. You yes. know, mm. you have the optimization of the initial compilation step. Yep. You have the just-in-time compilation step. You yes. have the operating system. You have all of the different layers within hardware, in the processor, in the floating point units, in the different levels of, of mm. cache. You know, we find now that, um, for example, if you if you look at the complexity of, of algorithms, we find that you know some algorithms which are less uh, less efficient on paper are more efficient when we do like simple linear searches and things like this because of the hardware, mm. uh, you know, the hardware mm-hmm. sympathies there with cache lines and things like that. So I, I, I'm a little, you know, I'm, I'm like you, I think, I think that we should teach some of the fundamentals. We should understand, you know, mm. about architecture, about operating systems, about, you know, uh, some of these things. But the, the question, whenever, whenever I'm writing code, whenever mm. I'm writing code, my first thought is always towards the readability of the code mm. and 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 how easy is this going to be maintained and does this express my ideas yes. performance is always the second thought now mm. if i have two solutions and they're equally readable and i have a hunch that this one's going to be more performant okay i'll i'll mm. go this way but normally it's it's what i'm focused on is readability if performance is a concern then if performance is a concern, then what I will do is uh, I will write some performance tests and I will measure because that's the only way to do it. Yeah. So, so the, 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 the knowledge from understanding architecture doesn't have as big an impact as you might yeah. think. I mean, I, I think you're completely right that we need to give developers uh, kind of underlying understanding of what's really there. But but as Eamon says, there's just so much. I mean, you, you could talk for an entire week, you know, and we mm. know performance consultants who could just talk to you for an entire week about nothing but the uh, the dynamic optimizations done within the JVM as mm. it's looking at your code and profiling it in the fly and so on. And then, uh, as you say, with uh, the cache lines and all the stuff that's in modern hardware and then what the compiler is doing and so on, you know. And uh, we know performance experts experts who teach courses where they show you two versions of the same code, you know, and, uh, you know, with me with my 1980s understanding of hardware, I would be willing to bet all my the money in my wallet that the one on the right, you know, would mm. run faster, but it's actually the one on the left, you know, so it's a, a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing. Mm. So you're, you're at the moment, if you're a developer writing code, you're sitting atop a huge tower of optimizations. And the question is, you know, what understanding do we need to give junior developers or all developers? Developers, you know, without overloading them, and that's a that's a very open question at the minute. Well, you know, we can't write code completely ignoring performance. Yeah. On the other hand, we can't all write code that like we're writing a stock exchange or we're NASA or something like this. You know, we we have to find a kind of sweet spot between mm-hmm. the two. But for most people, most of the time. Brilliant. Let's keep it here. Yeah. We could go on forever. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Talking yeah. is what we do. Yes. Right. <laughs> And well done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to this episode of the GoTo Podcast. Head over to gotopia.tech for lots more content from the brightest minds in software development. <laughs> <laughs>